Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the Wayfarer Podcast. I hope you've been well. It's good to be home. Good to be back in the quiet of my office this morning. Thanks for joining me on this chapter day journey. We're in Matthew chapter 20, and it was verses 11 through 15. A couple of verses that uh, resonated. It says, They began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But the owner answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have a right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Today's podcast is entitled, The Old Couple Who Lived Up on the Hill. I was surprised to get the call. I barely knew the old couple who lived up on the hill. I visited them once, twice, despite people telling me not to waste my time. They'd been described to me as cold, grouchy, cantankerous. I found them pleasant enough. I don't think they ever learned my name. I was always just preacher, which I discovered happens a lot when you pastor the only church in a small town. Granted, I don't ever remember talking to them about much of anything spiritual. We just kept it to safe pleasantries of rural Iowa conversation between acquaintances. I asked them about their lives and their stories. We drank coffee together and enjoyed the quiet majesty of the view from their house. It was spectacular. Overlooked the rolling Iowa countryside. I remember being envious of that view. I never invited them to church. I don't recall that Jesus ever came up in our few conversations. The call came late in the afternoon asking me to come immediately to the ICU unit of the regional hospital about a half hour's drive away. The moment I walked into the ICU room and saw the old man who lived up on the hill, I just knew the situation. I reached out and I took his hand. You're dying, aren't you? I asked gently as I took his hand and smiled. He nodded wordlessly. You don't know where you're going when it happens, do you? I asked. He shook his head. I shared about Jesus in the simplest of terms, and he listened, and I asked if he'd like me to pray with him for Christ to come into his heart and his life. Yes, he said. By the time our short childlike prayer was done, the tears were streaming down his cheeks, and I was surprised because he was suddenly filled with an energy that seemed completely absent in his mind and body just moments before. Preacher, he said, you've got to go visit my wife right now. Tell her what you told me. Tell her what I've done. Tell her I want her to have Jesus in her heart too. Go. I said, okay, I'll go. He said, no, right now. I said, okay, I'll go to her right now. So I went and I did as he asked. I shared in the simplest of terms. I offered to lead her in prayers. I had her husband. She prayed and she cried. And I told her that I would come back and visit to check on them. But I never got the chance. 
he died in the ICU unit a few hours later. And then a few hours after that, she followed him, dying quietly in their home. I did the funeral in our little community church with both caskets sitting in front of me. It was a tiny gathering, I remember. They hadn't, they hadn't built many positive relationships in their lives. I got to share about the call I received, my visit with both of them, their prayers. And if I remember right, I talked about the fact that it's never too late to give one's life to Christ. Now, after the service, I remember I was in the back hallway behind uh, which led to my office, and I was approached by an elderly couple who told me <laughs> that they had, for many years, ceaselessly visited the old couple who lived up on the hill. They loved them, and they shared Jesus with them. They begged them to ask Jesus into their hearts. They had been rejected time and time again. And while they seemed glad to hear that the old couple on the hill had finally made the decision, I felt a hint of indignation underneath the surface. I mean, they'd done all the work and seemingly experienced no reward for their spiritual labor. I just showed up at the last minute to harvest what they'd been sowing for all those years. And that experience came to mind this morning as I read Jesus' parable of the workers in the vineyard. I find that there are certain parables that mean more to me the further I advance in this life journey, and this is one of them. Each group of workers agrees to work for the same wage, but when the workers who slaved away all day watch those who pitched in for the final hour receiving the same reward, they become indignant. And I find that such a human response, isn't it? It is neither fair nor equitable in human terms. But the economics of God's kingdom don't work like the economics of this world. And that was Jesus' point. He famously pins this epilogue to his parable, quote, so the last will be first, and the first will be last, end quote. In the quiet this morning, as I mull over the story of the old couple who lived up on the hill, I find myself asking about the motives of my own heart. Why have I followed Jesus these 40 years? And I find that reward is not something that I think much about. I have been so blessed in this life. I just assume that I'm going to be among the, the first shall be last crowd on that day. And that's okay with me. See, the reward is not my motivation. It's not how I'm wired. It's gratitude for what I received that I never deserved that fuels my journey. It's Paul's words of motivation that ring true in my soul. When he said, Christ's love compels us. Yeah, me too. I hope you have a great day, my friend, wherever this podcast finds you. Be well. We'll be back here tomorrow.